Welcome to the 64th episode of It Wasn't Me, a true crime podcast, where we discuss murders that intrigue us. I am Cindy. And I'm Mercedes. Thank you for listening to last week's episode when we discussed Hassan Bennett and his fight for justice after being wrongfully convicted for the murder of 19-year-old Devin English. Our show is often horrifying and graphic, and we will use offensive language. So if you have kids, put them away for a while and join us for a murder. Also, we are very passionate and always have been about true crime, but I must warn you, sometimes we will make jokes and we will laugh during this podcast. We sure will. Want to learn more about us? Visit our website at itwasn'tmetruecrime.com to find links to our social media pages. We drop a new episode every Friday morning, so be sure to subscribe to our podcast so that you don't miss out. Thanks for listening. And if you are even slightly entertained (laughs) by our Southern charm, please leave us a five-star rating along with a comment. And if not, reach out to us. Let us know how we can improve. Also, spread the word and recommend our podcast to your friends and family. Hey, even people you don't know. (laughs) Or you don't like. We'll take them too. (laughs) True that. (laughs) What's up, girl? What's up? How are you? I'm good. I wish you better. Huh? Beautiful weather. Yes, it is. It's muggy in my house right now, though. How's that vino? That looks so yummy right now. It is so good. I'm super jealous. Super, yeah. super jealous. But okay. <laughs> okay. How was your spring break vacation? Oh, yeah. I went to, okay. okay. So I did not go to Denver. You know, I told you yes. I was worried that my, my flight was canceled. So after my husband discussed it for a while, we decided we would just go to our nation's capital and then go visit his sister and um, her family in West Virginia. So we went for three days to DC and then we went and visited my sister-in-law Les and then we came home. It was I'm nice. So jealous. I can't wait yeah. for our trip. Everything was shut down. It was COVID. So it was lovely. We, like we, um, we rode bikes. We jumped on and off the Metro. We just walked everywhere we didn't have to, we didn't spend a lot of money because we didn't go to any of the museums and buy a lot of stuff. Were the museums closed? All the museums are closed. Um, the only thing that is open that, that we know of was, is a spy museum, but we didn't even go to that. We just decided, you know, we'll just ride our bikes through National Mall and all the parks. And it was nice. Oh, well, I hope all that stuff's open in the summer when we go. But even if it's not, it's okay. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, the architecture, just walking around, it's, I don't know. I love it. We went through Chinatown and. Cool. Yeah. We'll have to do all of that. I want to go to the church in Maryland where my grandparents got married. Okay. Right. So are you ready? All right. Now, listen, you, you titled this. The Scissor Sisters. Yes. And I am super excited because <laughs> I love that title. Yes. And and really, I kind of just get to it. Like, it's like a little blurb at the end on why they have the name. Oh, okay. Because I, I'm like, this is, oh, I want to, ch- I want to peek, but I didn't. Don't. So don't. I know peek. nothing about the Scissor Sisters. Okay. All right. So I needed a change of scenery. So we're jumping right. the pond. Oh. And we're headed to Dublin, Ireland. Ooh, okay. Yes. All right. So this murder took place actually 16 years ago this past Saturday. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And I don't do this on purpose, but I've done this a couple of times where I've covered murders that it's like oh, going around I? the anniversary. Yeah. So have I. Yep. I mean, to me, that's just destiny speaking. Like yes. those cases are reaching out to us. So those their voices are heard. Yep. 
Yep. And once again, this is really kind Never. of about the sisters as opposed to maybe the person who ultimately is the victim, but he doesn't sound like he's a real good dude anyway. Not that that is here nor there, but no one in this. I mean, you're not saying he deserved to die. I'm sure. No, but none of these people that we talk about today are stellar individuals. (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right. So who are the scissors sisters? Well, technically they're really the Mulhall sisters. Mulhall. Mulhall. Uh, they were labeled the Scissor Sisters by the media. And I'll tell you later, again, who, anyway. So the Morpha right. family is from Kilclare Gardens in South, in South Dublin. The Mulhall parents are John and Kathleen. So they were married. They have three boys and three girls. John allegedly was abusive to Kathleen. So she kind of, you know, got sick of his shit and the marriage kind of fell apart And when it did come to an end, John took some of the kids and moved out. Um, And I didn't put this in the slideshow, but he moved various places for about a year. This seems like so typical, such typical Irish uh, stereotype kind of. Oh, yeah, maybe. You know what I mean? Like Irish family and he's abusive and they have all these kids yeah yeah i mean i did think oh they have six kids they must be catholic i did think that (laughs) but i did not put that down so kathleen started a new he took a couple of the kids a few of the kids and he moved out kathleen started a new relationship with farah swally nor i have no idea if i'm saying that correct Okay. So she started a new relationship with this newer person in 2002. And is Farah a woman? I mean, no. not that it matters, but Farah mm-hmm. is a female name. Right. But it's African. Oh, okay. Okay. So John, however, the, hus- the first husband, would move, eventually move back into the house when Kathleen and moved to Cork with this newer person. Okay, the couple would return to Dublin in two years in 2004. Once again, Kathleen was allegedly subjected to abuse, but this time by Farah or Farrar. I don't know. Farrar. I don't know. So for, I'm going to say Farrar. I don't like saying Farah. I'm going to say Farrar. <laughs> Farrar was a 38-year-old man from Kenya, although he reportedly told people that he was from Somalia, claiming that his family was killed in Mogadishu. He arrived in Ireland in around 1996. Okay, wait, wait. Why would he tell people that he's from Kenya if he's not? No, he's from Kenya. Oh, he, why would he say he's from Somalia if he's not? Well, so the whole Mogadishu fiasco, you know, that, that was Mogadishu like, or Mogadishu? I've always called it Mogadishu. Mogadishu. That's why I've always said it. I'm probably saying it wrong. Okay. I don't know. It's in Somalia. Okay. okay. Black Hawk Down. Yeah, <laughs> which That's was like, how, yeah, which Mogadish. was in like 93, 90. Yeah, because Clinton had just become president when this happened. It was like one of the first things that happened after Clinton was inaugurated. Okay. And um, so this so he, Farrar, this Farrar guy, Farrar might be his name. I don't know. Yeah, I'm thinking that maybe he thought since he um, immigrated from Ireland, I mean, from Africa to Ireland that maybe it's a few short years so maybe some sympathy I mean I don't know okay I don't know why he would say he was from Mogadishu but after an investigation revealed that he was actually from Kenya the Department of Justice Equality and Law Reform ordered that he be deported 
because he was lying about where he was actually from, but he actually appealed and was granted citizenship in 1999 on the grounds that he became a father of an Irish born child. Okay. He did have some previous run-ins with the law. He had four previous convictions for intoxication, threatening and abusive behavior and assault. In 1997, which would have only been a year after he got to Ireland, he allegedly, or he raped a mentally disabled 16-year-old, 16-year-old girl who was actually Chinese. That doesn't mean, you know, that's here nor there, so I didn't put it there, but Mm -hmm. she later gave birth to a child, to a son. So he impregnated her, like it was his baby. Yes. Okay. Then two other women had children by him as well. Both of those women claim to have been raped by him also. Yeah. So then Farrar also at this time faced eight charges of. All right. I'm going to interrupt you for just a minute. So he gets citizenship in 1999, Uh but he's committing these crimes before Mm -hmm. that. Yes. Which was kind of like. I think another another reason why they were investigating him anyway, that through all this investigation, they figured out that he wasn't from Somalia, that he was actually from Kenya. And so then they were trying to deport him, but because in 97, he raped this girl and then she gave birth to the son and these two other women, he was saying, I have ties here now because I have these kids. Okay. Yeah. Which something tells me he probably wasn't taking care of them anyway, but I can be totally wrong by that. So he then faced charges, uh, eight charges of disorder and assault, one involving sexual assault in which a knife was found at the scene by the, um, by the Gardaí, which is the Irish Republic police. He was also convicted on three occasions, but did not ever serve a day in jail. Mm-hmm. That's what I said. The Gardaí described him as being very violent towards women and was once a suspect in another unsolved murder that took place in September of 1999. But as of now, he is no longer believed to be that murderer. Okay. But he was a suspect because of his ways. So I'm going to backtrack a minute and go back to the sister. Okay. All right. So in 2005, and I say I, I, I start at 2005 with the sisters because this is when this crime went down. Excuse me. So in 2005, Linda Mulhall was 30, unemployed, uneducated, and was the mother of four. So is Linda one of the sisters? And okay. So she's one of the six Mulhall kids. So her mom is okay. with the Nor guy. Yes. Okay. So the relationship with the with the children's father, because she has four kids, is failed, and then she took up with a man who abused them all. Linda also had a history of alcohol abuse and addiction to heroin. She also had one previous conviction for larceny. Charlotte was 23 year old, 23 years old at this time. And like her sister, she also had a history of drug and alcohol abuse. I mean, yeah, drug and alcohol abuse. She had a number of, a number of minor convictions for like criminal damage, public, you know, public order offenses which i think that translates to like public um like intoxication like disorder or, yeah um disorderly conduct or- right and she was charged with criminal damage and given probation in addition to all that she was a sex worker as i said at the beginning none of these people really seem like stellar individuals 
And it's probably pretty safe to say that these sisters had a troubled and tough upbringing. Just so sad. Mm -hmm. And a a news report actually says that. Like one of the police officers say that it is evident that these sisters had a very troubled and tough upbringing. I just couldn't imagine. I've just been so blessed, I guess. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, like I hit the parent lottery with my, you know, with my parents. And I know, you know, I complain about it being chaotic in my house that it just always seems like that, you know, cause people are loud and all over the place. Right. And, um, but my life is very peaceful in comparison to maybe life was like, right. So on the day of the, of the killing, okay. Linda, Charlotte, their mom and Farrar had all been drinking heavily in um, Dublin's city center. So like downtown Farrar brought vodka and Kathleen purchased Coca-Cola, which they drank as they walked around the city before shopping or stopping, excuse me, on the River Liffey Boardwalk. I guess that's Liffey, where Charlotte and her mother took ecstasy. Okay. Because that's what I want to do with my mom. They returned <laughs> to Kathleen's flat. It would, yeah, it would be more like you and your daughter, not <laughs> you and your mom, probably, but nothing do that with my own daughter good thank you (laughs) answer that's the right answer so they went back to kathleen's flat which is an apartment for those who don't know where the women took more ecstasy all right kathleen excuse me crushed up a tablet and put it into farrar's drink so that they would all have the same buzz yeah Hmm. these are stand-up people yes they are okay Linda and Farrar were sitting on a two-seater couch. So like a little sofa, like a little love seat. Please don't tell me that this is going to get with their mom and sister. (laughs) You are not going here. No, I'm not going there. Okay. I mean, not all the way. So Uh, they were sitting on the little love seat. I might throw up. With Charlotte sitting on the arm. So picture it, there's Linda, then there's Farrar and this love seat. And then the other sister, Charlotte, sitting on like the arm, you know, so they're just hanging out watching TV or whatever. Well, Farrar started touching Linda in a sexual way. He spoke into her ear, put his arm around her waist and refused to let her go. Kathleen then started screaming at him. And there was a verbal altercation that took place where Kathleen, the mom, was alleged to have instructed them to just kill him for me. Charlotte picked up a Stanley knife and struck Farrar across the throat, inflicting a wound that sent him to the ground. Okay, let me just stop for a minute. All right, so just kill him for me. Do you think it was planned? Like they were surrounding him because that was their plan? I don't know if it was planned, but I'm just thinking like, just kill him for me. And they're like, okay. Well, that's People why I would think pick up like, a knife that, and... that could be, I mean, I, I don't know maybe. them from Adam, but I don't know, but I mean, that's pretty like, okay, I got you. I don't know. So Charlotte's pretty good with the old Stanley knife. Yeah. Hmm. Which I have no idea what a Stanley knife is, but I'm sure I'm assuming that, it's a isn't brand it one knife. of those. Things. I'm going to look it up right now. Okay. You do that. I'll let you know. Then Linda picked up a hammer and him to hit him on the head several times. So they just have a Stanley knife and a hammer right there. Yeah. Right there. So it's, yeah, it's those, um, a utility knife, you know, that you can slide the blade up with that little slide. Can you see the picture? No. I cannot. Nope. 
<laughs> oh, okay. So it's like a box cutter. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, so they just happen to have those right there. Yeah. A hammer and a box cutter, essentially. Okay. Slash them. Oh, those things are sharp too. I will. Well, I would say that you could probably not go far and find those in my house. So, well, I'm, mine I as well. I know, mine as well. We've got shit all over the place. We got a couple of hammers. We got, I mean, we got bats. Oh, we got, I got a fucking axe right here and a machete. <laughs> okay. So, <Hey. laughs> all right. Don't freak out the listeners. I got to throw a knife too. Oh my God, you do. <laughs> no, listen, I was driving to work today and I was feeling around in my purse and I'm like, oh. I didn't know I had, you know, those like metal um, nail files that you could like clean under your nails. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't know I had one of those in my purse. So I start, I'm like, maybe I can just do it. So I pull it out and it's a freaking paring knife. <laughs> okay, well, why is there a paring knife in my purse? I didn't put it there. I don't know. But this is my throwing knife in case like I need something in case somebody comes in. There you go. Okay, like yeah. a hair, like a if random so, hair. If someone touches me in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> okay all right so sorry anyway where were we um so okay. she said just kill me and they are trying they're hitting him at in the head with a hammer and slicing him with a, a box cutter yes yeah, so they cut his throat with a box cutter linda picks up the hammer and hits him on the head a number of times their mother looked on but did not participate all right uh Farrar was stabbed at least 27 times. Well, what is he being stabbed with? I guess this the Did they box bring cutter. in a knife. Ooh. God. Yeah. It may have been more, but pathologist had no opportunity to examine the full body. Whoa. <laughs> right. So as a full body. So now I'm gonna guess that they're going to chop him, chop him into bits. Yeah. So Linda and Charlotte then dragged Farrar's corpse into the bathroom where they began to dismember the remains. <laughs> Farrar's head, limbs, and penis were severed using a kitchen knife and a hammer. Huh. Hammer? <laughs> they put towels over his legs to like slow the flow of blood because there was blood like everywhere. The dismemberment took a number of hours and body parts were placed in black plastic bags and sport bags before being disposed in the Royal Canal. This took the three women several trips. Oh Why did they cut off his penis? Well, I mean, he sounds like he's a pretty, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. He's I mean, like, oh yeah, you want to fuck with me? I'm going to, you want to touch me like that? Maybe they knew about his past. I don't know. So they decided not to throw the head in the river or the canal to prevent identification. Right. So the head was brought by bus to a area that they would often walk to, um, the square shopping center of Taiman North Park. I'm probably not saying that correctly at all. You're they not. walked to where Charlotte then dug a hole with a knife to bury the head. That's not very so they're on ecstasy, not meth, right? Because... Yes, yes. <sighs> Kathleen threw the knives and the hammer into a nearby pond, but a number of days later, Linda allegedly returned back to the park and dug up the head using her son's school bag. She transferred it to a field in Killar um, Killarn Killarn 
Kilnarden. Kilnarden Estates, where she broke it up with a hammer before burying it again. Oh my God. I mean, yeah. You break up a head with a hammer? Mm-hmm. That's pretty <sighs> like gruesome. So it was 10 days before the killing ever came to like light of the day. You know, like, so 10 days later, one uh-huh. of his legs with a sock on it was seen floating in the canal. Okay. Okay. So I don't know. Did I ever tell you the story of my family finding a foot floating down the Mississippi river? No, you have not. Yeah, it was in a shoe. Shut up. I, I'm telling you, I'll go, I'll call Kobe in here to tell you. I don't remember if it was Kobe or Chaz that saw it, but it was a shoe. They had, you know, CSI come One out. Children saw it? Yes. And they're, yeah, it was a foot in a shoe. And apparently they find feet and shoes, uh, feet and body parts floating down the river all the time. They weren't, you know, I thought, oh, that's a big deal. And it wasn't a big deal. That's I mean, scary. who knows where it came from because the Mississippi River, I mean, he hadn't been in there in a while. Wow. I'm going to have one of them get our Eek. So he was found floating in the canal, his leg was, a few hundred yards from Croke Park. So the Garda scuba divers, which I guess the so Gardi. Oh, okay. No, Gardi is like the, the, so the Garda is the police, but the Gardi is kind of like the plural of the police. Oh. I don't know. I looked it up. All Garda right. and Gardi is the Irish Republican police. Okay. So they're scuba divers retreat. I even looked up how to say it and then right <laughs> i mean you say you're saying it very confidently and i have no idea so going with you so they're scuba I, divers which were called something else and i'm calling them scuba divers um retrieved most of the rest of his body well in seven parts the guardie see the guardie traced his identity through media appeals so do you know this guy do you know you know so but they don't have the head they did not have the head. They just have the okay. like extinguished, you know, but here, so Farrar was only identified when someone recognized the shirt on the torso. Wow. The yeah, remember, went, listen, our very, very first murder, remember they recognized the sheet that was on, that's yes. how they realized who the killer was. From yes, the yes. Ugh. So the key witness was a Somalian man who was the first to connect the two missing, was, was to connect that the missing Farrar um, with, with the three Mohol women. Okay. So, and he was, um, supposedly received a s- substantial reward also. Um, unfortunately, Farrar's head and penis were never found. Well, probably some dog got the penis. I know. Or a cat know. or something. Or a do. bass or whatever kind of fish they have over there. In, oh, yeah. The they canals. threw it in the water. Oh, yeah. yeah. A little worm. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Who knows? But yeah. So the sisters and their parents, so the sisters and their mom and dad were arrested in August. But of course, they denied any knowledge of the killing. A number of weeks later, Linda contacted the investigating officers and admitted to her involvement. Um, The guardie took a voluntary statement. I wonder why she did that. I don't know. I don't know if it was like in a moment of clarity she was like maybe she was kind of overwhelmed Uh, and you know she's the one that dug up the head right and then Mm -hmm. moved it to a different place yeah maybe it's kind of like telltale heart yeah yeah 
So a number of weeks later, Linda contacted the investigators, as I said, and admitted to her involvement. The guardie would come to her house and took a voluntary statement in August of 2005. Until this, the guardie had been making very limited progress in the case. So if she wouldn't have called them, they might not have ever even found out who Mm -hmm. killed him. I mean, because there wasn't any, you know, evidence, clearly. How could there possibly be no blood evidence at all in the, I guess if they don't, if they arrest them, shouldn't they have probable cause to get a search warrant? Well, yes. Once she, so they were arrested, but they denied everything and they didn't, I guess they didn't have their shit together or whatever, because it was a number of weeks later that Linda confessed, or maybe there wasn't enough proof to get the search warrant the and search all of that. They didn't have all of that. But once she confessed to being involved, then they were able to then get approval or whatever it is in Ireland mm-hmm. to search their house. So the guardie was able to search the flat in the summer in summer of in Summer Hill. And that's when they found blood stains that were later confirmed to match Farrar's DNA after Linda's confection, confection, confession, confession, um, Kathleen fled the country All right. in 2005 and the Guardi were unable to locate her until January of 2008. She was living in England. Linda and Charlotte were both charged with murder and pleaded not guilty, of course, in the central criminal court. Their trial took place in October of 2006, with Linda being found guilty of manslaughter, while her sister Charlotte was found guilty of murder. Linda's jury accepted her defense of provocation. So I'm reading between the lines there, and I'm thinking they accepted the fact that he was touching her and his past, like, got her, you know, Well, I mean, it seems like a very intense reaction for it just being the -hmm. fact that he, you know, we don't, from the way you described it, we weren't there, there, you know, was he really, was he assaulting her? Was he trying to rape her? He wasn't letting her go. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And and that, so. So the jury accepted that as a defense. I mean, he definitely had that background. It could be Mm -hmm. he's abusive and he's a rapist. Yes. So Charlotte was given a mandatory life sentence and Linda was given a 15 year sentence for manslaughter. The judge argued that Linda, a heroin addict, had initially tried to halt the trial by refusing to take methadone. So if you're obviously not taking heroin, but you're refusing to take your methadone, then there's going to be some issues. So the judge was accusing her of trying to stall because with because she would have been a hot mess if she wasn't taking her methadone, if she was a true heroin addict. There would have been withdrawals. There would have been probably seizures, all sorts of stuff. So Linda appealed the severity of her sentence on the grounds that had pat- that it was passed without psychi- psychiatric and probation reports. The f- uh, appeal failed in the cr- Court of Criminal Appeals finding that the sentence to be appropriate. I mean, it almost seems like maybe she got a deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, she got a sweet we'll deal. Give you manslaughter if you talk, and then she didn't like the outcome of that deal. I mean, she got manslaughter, but yeah, I mean, but that fifteen years compared to her sister's life sentence, right? So Charlotte, I mean, I'm, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry, Charlotte just, requested to leave to to leave requested leave to appeal her conviction on the grounds that Justice Carney 
had put pressure on the jury to reach a verdict, even though the foreman had indicated that they were deadlocked. This failed on the grounds that the defense did not raise objections to the comments during the trial and the fact that the jury was not affected by any alleged undue pressure to reach a verdict. So, I mean, it kind of, it's kind of like, oh, well, let me think about the ways I can get out of this. Well, you know what? They didn't do this, but they didn't object to it then, but did they not relaunch? I mean, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Because yeah, I don't either. I don't know how I feel about it anyway, either. But yeah, her attorney should have should have raised an objection to that i would think at that time which here in the united states yeah, that would be what uh, for an appeal what, what ineffective counsel yeah mm-hmm. or counsel misconduct or whatever they call it yeah so Kat- i don't know yeah i mean they did it but then again he was a piece of shit so yeah So Kathleen voluntarily returned to Ireland in February 2008 and was charged with, among other offenses, two counts of giving false information to the guardie about Farrar's whereabouts and withholding information which she knew or believed would be of assistance to the prosecution of in prosecuting her daughters for the for Farrar's murder. Okay. Um, She was also. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. She was also charged with impending an arrest in a murder investigation. Impeding. Impeding, excuse me. Yeah. Impeding an arrest during a murder investigation. She pled guilty to helping to clean up the crime scene in order to conceal evidence. And Kathleen was sentenced to five years in prison in 2009. Wow. This is really sad. Wow. This is kind of sad. The girl's father, John, hanged himself in phoenix park when his daughters were charged with the killing in 2005 oh my gosh he was not believed to have been involved in the killing at all but he was arrested for it you said right Mm -hmm. he was originally arrested and and a court it's a parent so oh my gosh i wonder why he hung himself that's i guess he was just devastated that maybe he felt i don't know there's no yeah so linda turned to alcohol I guess because you can get that in prison um, and slashed her arms, causing her to spend over a week in the psychiatric hospital in 2009. She claimed to fellow inmates that she had in fact smashed Farrar's head and distributed the fragments in rubbish bins in Phoenix park. The first disclosure of where Farrar's head had ended up was referred to as the final secret in the sister in the scissor sisters um, case in like a in a evening herald like a newspaper charlotte caused more of a national controversy in 2008 when photographs of her holding a knife to a throat of a male prisoner in mount joy prison were leaked to the press as a result security in irish prisons was increased and charlotte was moved to another prison in in limerick it's beautiful phoenix park is beautiful oh really I want to go there. Do it. I am going there. Let's go there. I'm going there. (laughs) The girl's brother, James, pleaded guilty to robbery of two prostitutes, claiming he robbed the women to support his own six children and his sister Linda's four children for whom he took care, took on after she was jailed. Oh my God. This is so sad. Yeah, it is sad. Jeez. 
So the case received a high amount of attention due to the grotesque and macabre nature of the crime. This led the sisters to being dubbed as the Scissor Sisters by the media after the pop group from New York City. So I've never heard of the Scissor Sisters. Have you? I'm going to look it up. No. But did they use scissors? No. They, they used use the box scissors? cutter. I guess it was just a, you know, a catchy name. So there's no reason they're called the Scissor Sisters. Nope. Other than the media dubbed them that okay naming them after some pop group okay there is a pop group there maybe they just really scissor sisters of dublin i guess because they cut them up oh they're turning it into a movie (laughs) jonathan's over here doing this Uh okay that's like two women scissoring each other oh okay (laughs) i'm like wait what oh my gosh oh wait were they they weren't hairdressers no they were unemployed heroin addicts well they weren't unemployed no one of them was wow there are pictures of them here yeah wow well they're not hideous nope so wham bam thank you ma'am that's all i got wow that's so interesting i mean it was different i need i must know more i'm gonna have to do more Farah, Farah. Oh, that's very interesting. I need to know why they're called Scissor Sisters. I wonder if they like listen to the band and I don't know. Whatever. I give up. Yeah, that was okay. a good one. Thank you. It was. I liked it. Um, I, I just awful about you know the lives that I don't know. It seems like trauma filled lives. I don't know, but anyway. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Thank everybody out there. Thanks for listening to this week's murder. We appreciate sharing our passion with you and we thank you for your support. If you'd like to support us even further, please consider subscribing to our podcast and giving us a five-star rating and a comment. Your subscription and (laughs) subscription and ratings are essential to our success. You can do this on your favorite platform. And for more information and links to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages, visit our website at itwasn'tmetruecrime.com. We are so grateful to spend our time together and share our murder stories. Thank you so much for your support. Please recommend It Wasn't Me to your true crime loving friends and family. Also to our Patreon supporters, you are the extra. You too can become one of our Patreon supporters by signing up at patreon.com forward slash it wasn't me pod. Thanks again, guys. And remember, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. (laughs) Bye.